Thank you. You may be seated. Um, today we're talking about prayer as we continue in this series on spiritual disciplines. And as we do, um, I was reminded, uh, if you're a parent here, you know that your kids have just, they ask for what they want and or need. And uh, if it is a need, you provide it. Uh, if it is a want, you think about it and, and figure it out. That's parenting. And so it is with God. Um, that's how prayer ought to be. Uh, in addition to, we, uh, to Trent and uh, Hannah, our own kids, we've had a dozen or so live with us who weren't ours. And uh, I guess the first one of those was Icy. Um, her, her name is Isatu. She's from Senegal, Africa. <laughs> Uh, but uh, her nickname was Icy, and so Icy lived with us, and Icy's English struggled a bit. And so Icy decided that she um, wanted to make fatayas for us. Uh, we didn't know what they were, but she wanted to cook. We were glad for her to do it. And so she went through our cabinets to find everything to make fatayas. And when she did, she found all but one ingredient, she said. But she didn't know how to say it in English. And so... so she and Wendy went back and forth and back and forth trying to figure out what it was that she needed. They even went just down the sidewalk to Frisbee's grocery store. They walked through, and finally, this went on for days. Finally, they realized what it was. It was beef bouillon cubes. She needed beef bouillon cubes to put in the, to season the, 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 the beef that went into these fatayas that she was going to make for us. Uh, I share that to say that often our prayer life with God feels that way. It's as if he speaks one language and we speak another, and there is this divide between us and him, and we don't know what to say, and we kind of uh, stumble around as we pray. And so, so the disciples looked to Jesus, and they said, teach us to pray, and Jesus did. And we find uh, what I would say are three attitudes or four attitudes of prayer um, and, and you can fill in some blanks here as far as the very actions themselves, but I would say the attitudes we have toward prayer are so vital and they will inform um, really the words of our prayers. Um, the first attitude is to pray intimately, pray intimately. It says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Pray intimately. Um, uh, hypocrites, that word comes from the Greek theater. Uh, the hypocrite was an actor on a stage, and you'll see a mask on the screen. Uh, this is a mask from around Jesus' time that uh, was worn. Um, and this... Uh, how the uh, actors would act is they would put on a mask, play that part, and often in a play you would have one actor playing two different parts, and the way they would distinguish themselves was they would wear a second mask. And so put on one mask, play one part, wear a second mask, play another, and thus the meaning hypocrite, one who wears a mask. One whom you cannot tell who they are here or there. They change. Uh, so when Jesus says, do not be like the hypocrites, he is saying, when you pray, don't wear a mask. Take off your mask. Don't be the projected you. Be the real you. 
Don't be the aspirational you, the if I'm at my best you. No, go into his presence as who you really are. And then Jesus said, don't go on to synagogues and street corners. They were busy places. The synagogue, the center of worship, the school, it was the community center. Synagogues were were very crowded places. Jesus said, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Mediterranean homes had an inner room. It was usually a storeroom. It uh, was uh, most times the only lockable room in the house. That's the inner room. Jesus said, go to this secluded inner room. Go to this inner space. Close the door. Be you. Take off the mask and pray. Pray intimately. But there's an interesting phrase here that until a couple weeks ago when I worked on this sermon, I'd never seen. It says, pray um, to your God who is in secret. What does it mean that God is in secret? That's, that's the question that, that I looked at. And so sometimes in studying Scripture, if you're trying to figure out a word here, you go to another occurrence of that word in Scripture, which might give it a more developed meaning, and so that's what we'll do. Go to Romans 2, 28, 29. You'll see it on the screen. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, or a circumcision outward and physical, but a Jew is one inwardly. That's the same word as secret. And circumcision is a matter of the heart by the Spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. What is Paul saying? He's saying that you and I are who we are inwardly, not necessarily outwardly. Your outward appearance is just that, an outward appearance. It may or may not be reflective of the heart. So let me ask you a question. All right, it's a little quiz. Make sure you're alert and awake this morning. Who is the only man who ever lived who was never different on the inside as he was on the outside. Who was it, class? Jesus, there you go. All right, so you're with it. Jesus was the only man who ever lived uh, with whom there was no difference between his outside and his inside. So what is meant by this? God is inward. God is in secret it means that God is knowable. And the only way you're going to know him in prayer is to take off your mask. God has never worn one, but we do. Praying intimately is to go into the presence of God and say, I'll take off the mask and I will tell you when you begin to do that, that prayer will take you to the very heart of God. When your mask is off, it's amazing how much more clearly you see him. I have a friend who says uh, that intimacy is into me see. A little play on that word. Praying intimately is saying, God, See deep into me. And when you do that, 
you will see deep into him. The Old Testament is replete with, uh, if you seek me, you will find me when you seek me with all your what? Your heart. Seek him, pray intimately. Secondly, pray trustingly. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask. R.T. France, in his great commentary on Matthew, says, So instead of trusting a father to fulfill their needs, they think they must badger a reluctant deity into taking notice of them. I would summarize that by saying they trust their effort more than God's character. Like, I'll come again, 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 and again. That word empty phrases means babbling, noises without meaning. Many words values quantity and volume over quality. So why pray trustingly? Because God is a kind Father who knows what you need. It was January this year, particularly difficult time in our family's life. I was sitting in my office meeting with someone, and my phone was just buzzing, buzzing. You know, as it will do at times, I didn't check it. And then when I did, it was a text from Will Winters. Will was on staff here, or was a, a volunteer staff member at Grace who we sent across the mountain to be a pastor. He pastors in Spruce Pine, just a fine young man. And this is, I went and pulled the, the text, January 17th, praying for you, Trent, Wendy, and Hannah, just had you all on my mind this morning. Love you, man. I broke free to call him. I said, do you have any idea how much we needed to hear that today? He said, Jerry, Will is a bivocational pastor. He's a social worker in Asheville. He said, I was honestly between appointments. And the Lord said, stop now. And pray for Jerry and Wendy and Hannah and Trent. He said, I stopped everything I was doing to pray for you. Why? Why would Will do that? Because I have, I, I don't mean this to demean him at all, a daddy in heaven who had a boy down here who needed him and he enlisted somebody to come alongside. Pray trustingly. It, it is remarkable that we get to come into his presence and know him but J.I. Packer in that great book Knowing God if you've never read it top 10 top 10 of my books I've ever read in his work Knowing God wrote this what matters supremely therefore is not in the last analysis the fact that I know God but the larger fact which underlies it that he knows me 
I am graven on the palms of his hand. I am never out of his mind. All my knowledge of him depends on his sustained initiative in knowing me. I know him because he first knew me and continues to know me. He knows me as a friend, one who loves me. And there is no moment when his eyes off me or his attention distracted from me and no moment, therefore, when his care falters. This is momentous knowledge. There is unspeakable comfort in knowing that God is constantly taking knowledge of me in love and watching over me for my good. There is tremendous relief in knowing that his love is utterly realistic based at every point on prior knowledge of the worst about me. In the way I am so often of the worst about me, so that no discovery now can disillusion him about me. In the way I am so often disillusioned about myself and quench his determination to bless me. Do you know that God knows the worst about you, even if you haven't done it yet? I mean, I hope you've done the worst, right? I hope it's all better from here. But he who knows you best loves you most. Wow. You, you can trust him. Third, pray vertically and horizontally. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The prayer begins this way, vertically. Look where it ends. Look at the screen. If you go through Jesus' prayer, it begins in heaven and ends where? On earth. Heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, earth. All of prayer is to bring heaven to earth. That's the point. All of prayer is to have heaven inform your earthly life. That's the point. That's why we pray. If you follow that sequence, you'll begin where prayer should start, you'll end where prayer should end. Now, here's what I discovered. This prayer would have been no surprise to Jesus' audience because there's a Jewish prayer that they were already praying. Listen to the Jewish prayer. All right, they already had this tucked away in their minds, these disciples. Here's the Jewish one. Exalted and hallowed be his great name in the world, which he created according to his will. May he let his kingdom rule in your lifetime and in your days and in the lifetime of the whole house of Israel speedily and soon praised be his great name from eternity to eternity. And to this say, amen. That's a Jewish prayer. So, so the Lord's prayer is very much like a prayer that already existed except there are two notable differences that make this prayer so remarkable. All right, two notable differences. I know it read it, I read it fast. You won't get them, but I'll share them with you. The first notable difference between this Jewish prayer and this now come to know as the Lord's Prayer, in the Lord's Prayer, his becomes your. That's a big difference. In the Jewish prayer, they did not refer to God as you. They referred to God as him. 
But in the Lord's Prayer, you get to call God you. That's, that's personal. That's intimate. Jesus said, talk to him in the second person, in the you form. His becomes your. Secondly, in the Lord's Prayer, your becomes our. So there are two things that happen. God becomes more familiar. Jesus is saying God is coming down to you. God has come near. Uh, I'm he, right? Jesus is God in human flesh, so call him you. And secondly, don't go it alone. Say, our Father. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come your will be done give us forgive us lead us not into temptation so we pray vertically for his will to be done his kingdom to be done on earth in the details of our lives which leads us to the fourth characteristic of praying pray dependently Dependently. Up until this point in prayer, if you follow this heaven to earth pattern, you're praying for big things, big things. God's kingdom, God's will, big things. And then Jesus does the unexpected and says, pray for what you're going to eat today. Yeah. Give us this day our daily bread. As a matter of fact, this has been so shocking in the prayer that some early church fathers just assumed this meant communion. It couldn't mean anything else. Surely Jesus wouldn't say, pray for what you need to eat. Like how basic is that? Give us this day our daily bread. All right, so a little New Testament lesson. If you were one of my New Testament students at Montreat, I expect you will know this. So, Riggs, I'm going to call you out. All right, so in the New Testament, there were, there were uh, four or so groups of people that Jesus interacted with. There were the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Essenes. There were, there were the religious leaders, and then there were the common people of his day. There was a word we learned. I'll teach it to you this morning. Any clue, Riggs? Look at him. He knew the word. Yes. Everybody say, good job, Riggs. Yes. Yes, he knew the word. Amorets. Amorets were these people. These were the common people of the day. They comprised the largest audience that Jesus had. They, um, they would show up. They were day laborers, and they would show up and stand and wait as a farmer, a vineyard owner would hire his help for the day. And they'd get their job for that day, and they'd work that day, get paid that day, buy food that day, eat the food that day, and get up the next morning and do the same thing. We talk about living paycheck to paycheck. These people lived day to day. And Jesus said, pray 
for the job you hope to get so you can feed your family. Give us this day our daily bread. So I'm going to to say something that I think has happened in America because when I go to, to Africa on missions, and I know we've got some missionaries here this morning, when I we go to Ecuador, there is a dependence on God that is not very prevalent here. We don't pray as dependently here as people do in those places. Why? We can almost buy everything we need so we don't have to pray for it. Um, I grew up for the first nine or so years of my life in Tennessee, and those were the poorest years of my life. Got gradually better once we got to North Carolina, but those were poor times. My dad was a bivocational preacher all his life. And um, young, there were three of us kids, we were poor. I remember one week where we had cornbread every night for supper and milk out of the cow. And mom billed it that we didn't have to eat our veggies all week. And we bought it. It was a good week for us, we thought. I also remember dad telling the story. I was quite young. I would have been probably a preschooler. And uh, dad said I became quite sick. Had a pretty high fever. He said, um, I had no money. I could not get you to the doctor. But dad had a secret place. It was an old shed out behind our little, little house. And he said, I went down behind that house to that shed. And I got down on my knees and I said, Lord, you know I'm a preacher. I know I don't have to remind you of anything, but you know I preach your word. I faithfully, Sunday in and Sunday out, preach your word. I got a sick boy in there and I have not a penny to take him to the doctor. I need you. Dad said, I came back in and within 30 minutes, your fever had broken. You were playing on the floor and God had answered my prayer. You see, we, we call doctors, and that's, that's good. We just don't know a life when you can't, right? Maybe it's when the diagnosis becomes incurable that we pray more these days. Dad said there was another time when we were out of milk. We didn't have a cow then bought our milk and he said I was out of money completely 
He said, I went back out to that same shed and I got down on my knees and I said, Lord, I don't need to remind you, but you know I preach your word. You know I faithfully serve you. I've got three kids who need some milk. Dad said, I got up. I walked out of that shed around our house. We had a barbed wire fence that ran along the the side. And he said, I looked over on the barbed wire fence, and there's a dollar bill. Somehow has landed on that fence, and it's just kind of blowing in the wind. And God said, go buy some milk. I took that dollar bill off. That's back in the days when dollar bill could buy a gallon of milk. These days it won't get you a yoo-hoo, so <laughs> pray for more. So, but he said, I took that dollar bill off, took it into your mom and said, go to the store, get them what they need. We, we don't pray so trustingly, do we? we should is there anybody else in the room who feels like that you might nag God with little things so you begin to pray and you go "Ah, should I ask him about that anybody yeah me too me too "Ah, maybe 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 I shouldn't pray about this maybe I shouldn't pray about this had this experience recently. We were in Ecuador, and Trent wears a hearing device. It's expensive. The thing costs uh, just north of $6,000, all right? Five times my first car, to put that in perspective. Landed behind his ear. We're taken off out of Quito. Everybody, we're, just, we're in the air, and he looks over at me, and he goes, Dad. I'm like, what, son? He said, it's called Adhere. He said, we jokingly call it his third ear. He said, it's gone. I said, what? He said, my hearing aid, it's gone. I'm like, no, no. We've made it through this whole Ecuador trip, first mission trip with this thing. He got it uh, in January. And I'm like, no, no, no. So we call the steward back. He begins to work. He says, we'll radio down. And we describe what it looks like. We'll radio down to the airport. He said, we'll figure this out. Trent says, I know exactly where it is, Dad. It was in my lap. I had my headphones on. I just stood up. It just rolled out of my lap. I know exactly where it is. And so I said, son, let's pray. Let's pray. So we bowed our heads as the plane is taken off. We begin to pray. Lord, oh, Lord. You know Trent needs this to hear. You know this costs a lot of money. And so Trent and I are praying. We said our amens. Plane is going. A little bit later, comes, but the man comes back. And when he does, he says, uh, we can't get an answer. We're trying. We're doing everything we can. And then he looked at us and he said, are y'all praying people? I said, oh, yeah. He said, well, pray. I said, we have been. He said, keep it up. I'll join you. Turns out he was from Banner Elk, just across the hill. He was wonderful. 
but we didn't find it. But a couple people who had stayed back, Mark and Lynn, and Lynn, she's like a bulldog when she goes after something she wants. And so she went back to the airport. She scoured the whole airport trying to find it. She uh, offered to pay cleaning people. Uh, I'd sent her a picture once we had landed in Miami of what it looked like, all of this, and we never found it. Never. It just doesn't look important. It's not a normal hearing aid. There's nothing sticking out of it that sticks in your ear. It's a triangle piece of plastic. And Trent was like, Dad, and, and I'm thinking, honestly, the whole time, Lord, build his faith. Build his faith. I don't know what you're trying to teach, but you're trying to teach us something. And so build his faith. So I put a call into Chapel Hill to our to the audiology department, wonderful audiologist that we've worked with for quite some time now. I tell her what's going on. She says, don't, don't fret, don't fret. And I said, yeah, but Trent starts school a little bit sooner. Normal, he, he, he got to have this to hear. To sit in class, he's just got to have this. And so we are actually at McDowell Tech because he's taking some early college, class, or college classes. And we're actually at McDowell Tech on the orientation day when my phone rings and it is uh, the audiologist. And she said, all right. So here's the plan. I had no idea, because this is brand new technology, she said, I had no idea. But we have, there's a replacement program that came with that hearing device. We're putting one in the mail. It'll cost you $259. Wow. I said, Trent. He said, what? I said, your ad here's on the way, son. He said, Dad, how much? I said, be three thousand. <laughs> Could have made some money off of him. Uh, did not do that. It was just a thousand. I told him. I'm kidding. But I told him, and we stopped right there on the campus at McDowell Tech, and we prayed and thanked God. He cares, doesn't he? Pray, pray trustingly, pray, pray dependently. And for forgiveness too, for what you need to eat, pray daily for forgiveness. And you got to forgive others in the prayer. Those who ask for forgiveness must be forgiven people, Jesus says. So don't ask from God for something you're not willing to give to somebody else. It's pretty selfish. Pray, pray dependently. And lead us not into temptation. That's kind of a crazy phrase, isn't it? Why would you why don't you talk to God and say, lead us not into temptation? I started reading a book yesterday that I think gives some light to this. Levi Lusco, Through the Eyes of a Lion, the book is. I'm three or four chapters in. And, and he talks about his love for his wife, Christine. And he says, she's the sweetest, most wonderful woman I've ever met. And as a matter of fact, I tell her, if you ever leave me, I'm going with you. <laughs> now, does Lusco actually think she's leaving him? No. It's just a figure of speech. And so commentators, some of them land on that's what that means. Lead us not into temptation is saying to a God who you know would never lead you into temptation. Don't, don't, don't let me end up there. You say, how could I ever say that to God? If your mask is off, you will. If you go in unmasked, you know your temptations and he knows them better than you do. And you'll look at him and you'll say some things to him in that moment of being unmasked 
that are fairly intimate and you will begin to develop friendship. So what should we do? We're family. We are. We're all different kinds of people, but we're family. This is what we did in the early service. It was sweet, sweet time. That's what we're going to do here. If you're here this morning and you need prayer, I don't care what it is, but there's, a, there's something that's weighing. You need prayer. Maybe a family member, friend, sickness, work, I don't know. I want to ask you to come and stand down front. All right, so you're saying like in front of these people, yes, this is family. And I know how it is. Like at our house, we serve people food all the time, and somebody says, I'm not going to start, right? Just feel weird starting. But if you need prayer right now, get up where you are and just come down front. Thank you. Yes. Now we have life group leaders in the room. This is your turn. You come, staff, life group leaders, elders, you come now to pray for these people. So you make your way up here now and cover these people in prayer. Uh, just join us up here. If you're not a staff member or a life group member, don't leave anybody up here who's not covered. You feel comfortable? Come on up and find somebody and pray for them. Just make your way up, just find somebody. If you're coming up, just connect with somebody. You may know them, you may not know them. Thank you, just keep coming and uh, cover these people in your prayer. Just make your way up. And so if you need prayer, just turn. Do we have people, we still have people who need prayer. So Jessica, come on, I'm just gonna call you out. Just come and, and pray. Lucia, come and pray with people. I know you're praying people. Greg, Amy Hughes, you can pray for, with people. So just come up, cover these people. Craig, come and pray uh, with somebody. Find somebody who needs prayer and just cover them uh, in prayer. Wayne, Laurie, you guys can do this. Come on up and uh, uh, pray. Sarah, come and pray with people. Um, and cover them in prayer right now. You guys pray uh, as the Lord leads you, and I'll close this in just a moment.
Oh Lord, what a joy it is to hear the prayers of these people, the fervent, committed prayers. What a joy it is to pray our and you, our needs, you are God. What, what a joy it is to carry our deepest needs and greatest hurts to you and know that you care and you will cover. May your grace abound. Lord, I pray that burdened people would leave here lighter, that sick people would leave here well, that lost and wandering people would leave here having been found by you. Oh God, do what you alone can do in a time like this, in a space like this. You're able. As we pray trustingly and dependently, Jesus, work and speak. And now, would everybody join me in praying? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom 